0: Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the weekly podcast that discusses faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility in the hopes of inspiring and equipping you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of beyond the rut. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry, and in just a moment, Brandon is going to join me as we close out our four-part series about healthy marriage. And in this particular episode, we are talking about the importance of how and what we speak over our spouses because what comes out of our mouths really comes from the heart. So we're going to dive deeper into what that means, give you some tips to help reframe your mindset about your spouse, and hopefully help you save the day and change the conversations you have with your spouse forevermore, or at least the next conversation you have. So sit back and relax unless you're watching, uh, I don't know, something horrible like the 2020 presidential yeah, saw four. That was a bad one. I never saw it, um, but I stopped after the first few minutes of the first one. And so anyway, there we go. Uh, so here we go. We have begun. Brandon, how are you
1: doing? I'm great. I think I saw the first 20 minutes of uh, Friday the 13th. And I've never really watched scary movies since. That was enough for me. (laughs) I was probably 13 or 12 or something. Uh, My dad always thought it was a great idea
0: to let young children watch horror movies. So (laughs) uh, Jaws was probably the first one I saw, if not. uh, But Jaws, at seven years old, made me afraid of fresh bodies of water. So that was
1: a scary scary movie. People yes. didn't realize it, but that was the weirdest thing we had ever seen in the 70s. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and in fun fact, like as soon as I started getting over that fear of sharks in fresh water, I see Friday the 13th. And so now it's like, okay, there are no sharks in the water, but there's this dude yeah. that like died and he's in the bottom of that lake, what ready to pull me down and he wears a hockey mask. I'm out. Nope. Yeah. Done. So, swimming anyway.
1: pools from here on out, no matter
0: what. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that's not the reason why we got on this call. We're actually closing out that marriage series. So the first one we talked about those statistics that bring us hope about marriage. So in, in fact, that. Not half of marriages end in divorce, and it's a much smaller number than that. And a couple other statistics to bring us hope as well. When you dug deeper and really thought about what the connections were between those numbers. And then the second part of the series, we talked about some date ideas and why it's important to date our spouses on a regular basis. And then the last episode that we had just last week uh, was about some free ideas. So that really for the person who needs to connect with their spouse, but they really don't have the time or they don't have specifically the money to connect with their spouses every single day. We gave some tips, our top 10 list really about free things you could do on a daily basis to, to make those uh, consistent good deposits into your marriage relationship. And this one we wanted to close out with something that's much very much as important as the other three episodes, and that is what we speak over our spouse. And uh, so, Miranda, why don't you go ahead and kick us off and tell us what was it that inspired you to have us discuss that particular topic?
1: Well, I think it's a long history of um, just remembering things that have stuck on your heart. A good friend of mine, where we were talking about this the other day about the way he's Speaks over his kids. They mess around a lot. I'm sarcastic. I make comments. And I told him, I said, you know, I can prove this fact very easily. Think back in your own life something your mom and dad said, a friend said, a person said that you still remember. And it impacts the way you look at things, you know, and some of us, it, for me, it was sixth grade. My dad said that I was fat, too fat to play football mm. and that I'm 50 years old now. So that was somewhere around 40 years ago, maybe 45 years ago or 35 years ago. And it still impacts me because I think about my weight uh, a lot. And I like to work out and all that kind of good stuff, but it, it proves a point that people's words can have severe weight to them, you know, just enormous weight to them. So if you speak positive things over your wife or your husband, then they're going to hold on to those because we all know we're telling ourselves back things. You know, you wake up, look in the mirror and you're like, I'm too fat, too short, too tall, whatever. We notice all the flaws. So we need somebody else that notices the good things and puts that into us. And as, as husbands, it sometimes is not very common for us to do that. We look at our wives and say, well, you don't look like Heidi Klum or, you know, you don't have the perfect waist or head or hair or whatever it is. And they're already comparing themselves to other people. We need to speak life into them and 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 comment on that. One of my favorite things, somebody told me here recently that uh, they've been married 40 plus years, but every time she cooks dinner, her husband says, thank you. And I mentioned that in one of the previous episodes, saying those things, you're a good cook. You're a good mother, you're you're a good father, you're a good provider, or you're a good whatever it is, can really change everything about your marriage. Not overnight, so you can't just go home tonight and say, I really like your hair, and then all of a sudden your marriage is perfect. It's a series of deposits you've got to do all the time. How you speak matters. And conversely this the the other side matters uh you know you're not a good cook, you're not a good mother, you're not a good person you You fail a lot. those words will stick, so you need to decide what words you want to stick and what words you don't want mm-hmm. to stick, and use those
0: and both parties in the marriage may actually have some words that are negative mm-hmm. that are stuck in and I think you just mentioned it too that we have our own self talk that's negative, and that's stuck mm-hmm. inside of us that we may not have even thought about or really addressed. And I know one thing that I tend to struggle with is um, this need for perfectionism. And a lot of people know me at work and they're like, man, he's so laid back. And, you know, he's okay with errors happening and stuff. And the reality is, no, I'm not. No, I really not am not. not. I, <laughs> I, I want things perfect. I want them aligned a certain way. I need detail to be good. Um, I need other people to be detail-oriented because I, I really am not detail-oriented, but um, – I can see big picture and I can see patterns. And if something's out of sync or out of pattern, uh, unless it's numbers on a spreadsheet, but other than that, I, I can notice something out of a uh, sequence or I can notice something that's out of pattern. And then that, uh, I need to have done right. And then, you know, a system is not working the way it's intended. Um, it, it frustrates me. And my wife asks me from time to time, like, where does that come from? Like, why is it you are so hard on yourself specifically when it comes to making a mistake? And I mean, and what she's pointed out is, you know, I'll I'll get serious, like, man, why am I so stupid about this? Or man, why am I so dumb? Like, why am I forgetful about this? And I'm like really hard on myself. And it's probably not a big deal. It's like, I left my, my car keys on the countertop. And I just spent ten minutes looking for my car keys, and it was on the countertop. And now I'm mad at myself. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, when when I look back, it's like, oh shoot, because my mom was really hard on me about attention to detail and having things perfect, and and was really hard on me and spoke some of those words on me, like, why are you, why are you doing that? That's so stupid, or why are you being so stupid? Mm-hmm. And you know, I let that sink in, and it's like, oh man. So now in my 40s, and, and even in my late 30s, I've had to check myself quite a bit and say, you know what that was a mistake. It's okay. Nobody died. It wasn't a big deal. Let it go. Um, but when I get tired though, it does creep back in and I've got to be aware like, Oh yeah, that's there. Um, so I'm bringing that up, not because this is therapy for me, but you know, (laughs) us as husbands and for our wives, we really have to also be aware that there may be some deep seated unresolved, um, Trigger phrases or trigger words or memories. And, you know, that is worth having a discussion over. Like, Hey, honey, I, I noticed every time I say this phrase, you flip out and you assume my intention is to be, you know, um, what's it? Maleficent. Is that a character from Disney? Anyway, I don't know. (laughs) You assume my intent is to be mean. There we go. We'll keep it simple. No big words today, Jerry. I know Um, that word. (laughs) So, you know, the other person assumes that we're trying to be mean or we're trying to cut somebody down and we're, we're like blown away like, oh, no, like that was not the intent whatsoever. But now the other person's hurt. They're going down memory lane. We're not a part of that memory lane, but we need to be sensitive to that and, you know. Dig, dig a little deeper. Find out why is that? Why, why is it when that phrase is said or that memory is brought up, you go down this, this rabbit trail and, and I want to help prevent that from happening, but I also want to help you get past that because we have, we do have to talk about this thing or I do want to pour into right. you. And so
1: that's where communication is so important because you may not know that your comment on, you know, the, the bath towels in the guest bathroom really had a lot more weight to it. And yeah. you just kind of threw it out there as a throwaway. You didn't care. You don't, you don't really have an opinion on it. But because you said they're, you know, stupid or whatever, you, you crush something that you don't even know about. And so not only do we need to speak words of, of life over pe- over our spouse, sometimes we need to ask what if, what have I said that maybe they don't even realize they're holding on to. You know one of the reasons I've never done this is because one day you said this and it's like I I don't even remember saying that but I actually do want that and I've I've given the wrong impression because I've I'm not paid attention to the weight of my words and, and a really good exercise. And I know there's husbands out there going, Oh, great. Here's another exercise. (laughs) This one's really, really easy is just, as we talked about, uh, date nights and stuff, this would be a great time to just go, you know, what about, uh, something you've said has, has caused me to respond in a way that you felt like were unfair. You know, that maybe I said, you know, you were, stupid or whatever. Uh, and and sometimes that's opening up a door for her to speak, but mm-hmm. maybe you need to open it up to her first and say, you know, one day you said that you didn't like my hair this way and that I've thought about that every day for a year or 10 years or whatever it is. And how would you like my hair to look? Maybe, maybe I've always worn it in a way that you didn't like and, and show that vulnerability. So she'll speak to you and then uh, you can open up the questions a little bit and, and dig into that. Sometimes it can be painful. You don't want to do that every date night. That'll become cumbersome, but you yeah. know, throw it out there. It's like, if I've said something, you know, I don't like your sister or I don't like North Dakota or whatever it is, it could have more impact than you know. And opening that up can, can really do some things. Uh, I had a good friend that. That his wife actually wanted to write a book and that was kind of her passion and her dream one time he said you know people who write books are just full of themselves and they act like they're experts and he was just making a flippant comment but two years later she was still not writing her book because she didn't want to face him that way and it broke his heart because he's like i didn't mean you i just knew somebody that did it you know and i use <laughs> that very specifically but it applied broadly. Yeah. And sometimes you got to dig that stuff out.
0: Stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: And now let's talk about how you can use
0: Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Yeah, and, you know, there, there are times where... um you know, Liv would, you know, ask me to have more active roles in certain areas of our kids' lives and, um, or, you know, just a chore around the house. Like, you never do the laundry. Um, uh, that, that's, that's a nice simple one. Cause I think I've talked about that on the show where I got banned from doing laundry. Yep. And uh, about a year or so ago, you know, Liv had said something to me about that. Like, you never do the laundry. I'm like, do you not remember? The first few months of our marriage, you banned me from doing laundry. And every time I touched a laundry basket and put something in the washing machine, you've been upset with me for years. And she's like, no, I haven't. And I was like, well, the last time it happened was, and she's like, oh, well, I mean, you, you can certainly do your own laundry. I'm like, okay, good. Cause I, (laughs) there've been times where I needed to, and you've basically had given me no permission to do so in our own house. And I uh, just didn't know how to bring that up because you, you always made it. And, and the, re- the context behind that was for the longest time, we were a single income family. And so she put it on herself. So this is, again, self-talk that we had to talk through. She felt like she had to do her part in the family by doing household mm-hmm. chores. And it was never an expectation that I put on her. It's never something I said like, oh, you didn't do laundry today? Or, hey, you didn't cook dinner? <laughs> like, I was yeah. never that guy. But somehow... She put it in her head that she had to be that person, and and uh, so that, that's one of the things we had to talk through. Um,
1: and most women know that if you tell us we can't do something that we don't want to do, we're not going to argue yeah. with you about it. We're like, okay, <laughs> I'll take my banishment and move on. I'm not <laughs> going to argue about laundry. I'm I'm cool with that. But sometimes we we just got to open those up. Another exercise that I would suggest, especially for the men, I'm sure it will benefit the women too, is. To make sure that most of your words are positive, you know, and they're building up because we can come home from work or maybe, you know, an an experience we've been out playing golf or, you know, kids baseball game or something that went badly. We bring that home and then we just complain about our boss or the work environment or whatever it is. And we realize we're not speaking any positive words. You know, and and chances are, especially if you came home to a house that there was dinner and there was, you know, air conditioning and lights and and the place is not a complete and total wreck, that's not because of you, it's because of her or vice versa. And acknowledging that, you know, make sure that the words she hears from you are positive and he hears from you because there's plenty of other people out there saying that we're too tall, too short, too fat, too whatever. And including ourselves, we're saying that stuff. So we need that one person at least that's like, you no, know, you're good enough. You're, you're, you're doing a really good job and you look good and, and you're funny and you're intelligent. and You're passionate about stuff. We need to speak that into her so she will speak it into us and our kids. But specifically in the marriage, they should hear more positive from you than they do negative because there's other people doing that job. You don't need to do that job.
0: Yeah. Uh, It's interesting you brought that specific thing up, that you have to have more positive interactions than negative ones. Uh, I'm reading a book right now by John Gottman. It's one of his older books, uh, Why Marriages Succeed or Fail. And I think in there, or in one of his other books, he talks about the magic ratio. And we did one of our early episodes on that topic as well, where his research showed that healthy marriages – tend to have a five-to-one ratio of positive interactions to negative ones. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you definitely want to pour in, you know, from an emotional intelligence standpoint, emotional capital standpoint, you you need to make those deposits of positive interactions so that your marriage can survive those negative ones. Um, I'm trying to think of what book I just read where it turns out you can't have a utopia where everything's just positive. There right. has to be some negative interaction as well, some tackling of real issues. Otherwise, you stay surface level the whole time. And I don't know if it's from To Sell is Human, uh, which is by Daniel Pink, or if it's somebody else who wrote it. But I'm going to give him credit because that's the most recent book <laughs> I finished. So, okay, there you go. You know, roll with it.
1: Um what? It's true. It's just like saving for retirement. That's what a good analogy because you're not going to save $100,000 one month. You're going to save a series of $1,000 over months and months. Yeah, And then that gives you the capital to go in and say a couple of the negative things. Here's some things I want us to work on, or here's some things that I'm not crazy about. If you lead with that, you're not going to have any credibility. But if Most of what you say, and we're we're like this, we have friends like this too, but you and I operate like this. Most of what we say to each other is to build the other one up. So when there is criticism or there is some negative news, it's easy to receive because I know the overall goal. Um, But if it's always negative, it's like, well, I'm not going to tell Jerry about this or I'm not going to involve him in this because he's going to be negative about it. Most of us have spouses that have felt that way at different times. It's like, well, I didn't come to you because I kind of knew what your reaction was. Mm-hmm. If they knew your reaction was going to be positive, or at least in, in, in a way trying to build up a better thing, they're going to bring that to you. Yeah. And this also applies to kids and you know, everybody in your life. If you're that guy that's going to freak out, people won't bring stuff to you. But if you're the guy that says, okay, I understand that. I got you, Jerry. I I can accept that. Let me see if I can either work on it or figure out what I'm doing to make that better. Because I know you're for my greater good. And that's what your spouse needs to know. I'm I'm for your greater good, not immediate happiness. So that will make a big difference.
0: And there may be some uphill climb to reestablish that or establish it for the first time. Cause if you've done a lot of negative pouring into your spouse, um, you can't just write that ship in one conversation or a, you know, one thank you, as you said earlier, you really do need to one, make amends, you know, like, Hey, I, I realize every time we talk about finances, I get mad and I throw in a few cuss words. Um, it it does frustrate me and, but it doesn't give me license to get mad about it to you or with you or in front of you. And then you got to keep your cool <laughs> you know, like you make yeah. that immense. And then the next time you have a finance discussion, you got to do the same thing like, hey, just remember, mm-hmm. you know, that um, kind of the rules of engagement here is I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to get mad no matter how frustrated I get. I'm just going to take a deep breath, say I'm frustrated and we can move right. on. Uh, but I do need this from you. And, and, mm-hmm. and so it. it there's going to have to be that recovery if you've been doing a lot of negative pouring in and you know, I'm speaking from personal experience because right. you know, early in our marriage um, I would get mad. And I'm and when I say early on, I mean like the first 10 to 15 years out of a 19 mm-hmm. year marriage, yeah. uh, lots of um, being upset because spending wasn't going the way I thought the plan was written. And I thought the plan was agreed upon and um, you know, If we had a change in the plan, why wasn't it brought up to me? And then it's like, well, because every time she brought up a change in the plan, I would get upset and try to get us to stick perfectly to that plan. Again, that perfectionism thing. Um, And, you know, we want – and if you think I'm being controlling about the finances, just so you know, for the record, (laughs) none of my plans have ever actually gone to to fruition. Uh, So, you know, I might get mad that we didn't follow the budget. But we still spent them away the the money the way my wife wanted to. So if you mm-hmm. you want to get all hemming and hawing and say, well, oh, you're just a controlling jerk about the money there, it's like, no, I get upset because we have a plan that we agreed to, and then she spends it the way it needed to be spent anyway. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I chose my words carefully there because yeah. you know, because <laughs> when I calm down and I look at what happened, it's like, okay, well, she had to pay for that. She had to do this, right. she had to do this. Um, you know, what could have been done better is, you know, if I could calmly say, hey, I understand that that was done. I really would have appreciated if you gave me a heads up when it happened. And then we had a discussion on what to adjust in the, the, uh, the budget. So similar to what Dan Hines has talked about on the two episodes he's been mm-hmm. on with us, the importance of having a plan, but having flexibility in it and the ability to talk with each other about those changes. And that didn't happen for the first 10, 15 years. And, you know, it still doesn't happen t- from time to time now. Uh, it's just right. my response tends to be calm. And when it doesn't, she says, you know, we'll come back and talk about this when you're calm. And I'm like, okay. Uh,
1: but and Like you, know. you said, there's a huge advantage to not being married that long. You've got less to make up for. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you've been married 10, 15, 20 years, you, you set a pretty good groove there. So changing that is harder at mm-hmm. 19 years than it is at you know nine months or nine years yeah and but it it all starts with that acknowledgement is i've i've been this and i want to be this so i need you to help me get there and just like you know losing weight or getting in shape or financially or spiritually or whatever it is acknowledging it and then asking for accountability when you mention this i do this i want you to call me out on it and say you know You said you weren't going to react that way or you don't want to react that way. So we got to figure out a better way to do this. Maybe we meet in the morning instead of night or the weekend instead of during the week or whatever it is. Uh, Find a way that you can control your words, how you speak. Because as as a father of five, and this has recently changed, maybe in the last two years, and all of my kids are above 19 now, uh, they will tell you I've changed in my reaction. Sometimes shockingly, they, I think sometimes they tell me things just to see me react and I don't anymore. (laughs) I've I've tried to learn this, hmm, how are you going to deal with that? Rather than, what are you, an idiot? That's just the dumbest thing ever. (laughs) Chances are, it's not the dumbest thing ever. People are doing new dumb things every day. So we have to decide how we're going to be perceived. And I realized I was really perceived as somebody who was going to overreact. And not like whatever it was. And I didn't like that because I realized people weren't telling me things, you know. And and when you're with somebody, doing life with somebody, and this is true in a marriage or with your kids or even a business relationship like me and Jerry, if you don't allow people to speak into your life, they will let you run off that cliff alone. Oh, yeah. Because it's not worth the price and and in some ways penalty for telling you the truth. You know, this and do it out of love. You know, you're so stupid is not a way to do it. And you know, you sound like an idiot is not a way to do it, but do it in a way that builds them up. I want to see you successful. I want to see this podcast successful. So if I'm doing something that's hurting that success, let's talk about it. But in private, that's always a big deal. Don't do it in front of everybody, but you know, here's a couple of things. And don't bring 10 things to the table. Bring a couple of things. Here's a couple of ways that I think we could be more successful and then be open to that discussion. Don't defend yourself. And uh, you know, there's times whenever I'm moving too much and I'm hitting the mic and I'm doing stuff, I can't say, well, Jerry, it's just my nature. That's just the way I am. He kind of knows that, but he also knows that. We can't succeed if I'm going to keep doing that. So yeah. <laughs> there has to be a medium somewhere. I want you to be creative and, and open, but I also want you to be still <laughs> You know, while we're recording. And so you you have to adapt to that. Be open to criticism. If every time somebody comes to you, you're like, well, I can explain that. Here's why I'm doing it that way. It's like, well, it's, it doesn't work. Yeah. So we either end this or you change. And in a business relationship, hopefully the first goal is not to just end it. But especially in a marriage, you're like, I want to be in this for life. So I either need to change or I need to get a divorce and move on. And that's not the answer. And I'm not being pastorly right now. I'm just saying from a practical standpoint, getting a divorce because something small is a complete waste of your time. And it's kind of like burning your house down because you don't like the color of a paint on one wall. It's going to cost you more pain and suffering to build a new house than it is to paint that one wall. So be open to it. It's kind of like
0: that stat we covered in the first part of the series where the majority of struggling marriages, it is over something small. That's just Mm -hmm. repeatedly happening. Um, When it comes down to divorce, you know, a lot of times it's because of money, because of infidelity. And then, you know, the growing popular uh, thing of irreconcilable differences. Um, but then when you dig deeper, what are those irreconcilable differences? It's probably because he likes his clothes hung a certain way, and I don't like hanging clothes. And yeah. uh, he can hang his own clothes if he wants. And, <laughs>
1: there you go. But now he leaves the hangers works. on the floor,
0: and I hate that. <laughs> and it, it's like these little things that build up over time, and it's just you start to you know, have animosity towards your spouse. And that's another thing that Dr. Gottman has talked about. So he's kind of like the Christian marriage guru guy who's done a lot of clinical research, and that was. One one of the predictors of divorce is the amount of animosity that one person has for the other mm-hmm. and, or contempt. I think is the actual word
1: used. Contempt yeah. is a good word.
0: So the, the the amount of contempt that you have towards your spouse is a predictor of mm-hmm. divorce. And uh, that just brought me to chapter four of his book because, again, I'm still reading the book, Why Marriages Succeed or Fail. Um, your private thoughts become cast in stone. And it reminds me of that biblical verse, which I cannot quote verbatim or tell you the reference to it, but it's essentially about how what comes out of your mouth really is coming from the heart. And I'm pretty sure Jesus said it to a bunch yep. of Pharisees. starts in your heart. Yeah, because yeah, I think they were mad because he was eating without washing his hands. Mm-hmm. And he was telling them, you know, what I'm putting into my mouth is nothing compared to what's coming out of my mouth. And that's what's right. more important to God because that's what's coming out of my heart. Whereas what I'm putting into my mouth is just going into my gut, passes through. I might get sick, might not. Who knows? <laughs> but the yeah. the key thing is what's coming out of my mouth, though, is a thought, something I'm holding deep, um, deep inside of me. And we've talked about that already. Um, but yeah, Dr. Gottman goes on to say, what you think about someone often determines how you'll treat them. What do you think yep. about that?
1: Oh, it, it, it's so vital, especially in a marriage, because apparently you at some point or another said that this person is the most important person to you and you're willing to make a lifetime contract with them. And so if that's true, then how you treat them should also reflect that. And, you know, it's kind of like me saying that, you know, my spouse is the most important person in the world, but I didn't tell her about these five things that I'm doing in life that she knows nothing about. It's like, well, then those two statements can't be true. Yeah. If they really are, then you need to speak to them like they really are. And a lot of us have a, a treasure of some kind. Maybe it's, you know, a, a baseball or a golf set of golf clubs or a car or whatever it is. If I took that from you, you would be very upset with, my, with me about doing that. But you're allowing your your spouse to be taken from you slowly, mm-hmm. sometimes by you, by the words you speak, and sometimes by just the fact that other people are speaking affirmation over them and you're not. So yeah. how much time would I want to spend with you if most of what you say is negative and most of what somebody else says is positive? Now, I, I am putting that in a context of, is it easy for me to be nice to somebody that I'm not married to? Of course, because you don't have an electric bill or children issues or 19 years of habits or, and yeah, things that you've done wrong. Stuff, yeah. So it's easy to be nice to somebody you're not married to, but it takes real, uh, you know, honor and, and just courage to get in there and say, let's, let's start this conversation in a different way. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm being sarcastic and being funny at times has gotten me in that problem. It's like, you always call me this, or you always say this. And, and, Rather than defend it, I need to accept it and say, okay, how can I phrase that better? You know, rather than point out this one thing that you have a real self-consciousness about, how do I move past that? How yeah. do I speak into something else? Because you never really know what somebody else is carrying around in their own head, you know, and I can't, I can't jump high enough or I'm not tall enough or I'm not whatever. Uh, And and not knowing that can really cause you a lot of problems because you've never asked. And so I would say, you know, just sit down with each other and say, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10 or an A, B, or C, what kind of grade would you give me on speaking affirmation over you? Now, most women and men may do this too and say, oh, you're really good at that. (laughs) Okay, good. Follow-up question. Give me an example of the last time I said something to you. That really either hurt your feelings or built you up, and even if they can't think of it right off the bat, that will give you a good indication it wasn't recent enough. Yeah. You know, uh, I love you and you're great and all that, or uh, that those are important, but specific things. You know, when you wear that shirt, I really like it, or I love your hair that way, or the other night you said something to our daughter that was intentional and 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 built up her confidence and i noticed it you know or dinner last night was clearly you put a lot of effort into that and and just speaking those kind of things but if she doesn't remember them right off the bat or he doesn't then maybe it's not been soon enough mm-hmm.
0: that makes total sense yeah if they have to think way far back to the last time you said yeah. something positive uh, <laughs> you are in trouble you are definitely in trouble or on our wedding
1: day like no no please
0: <laughs> Uh it's like um when I had that other show Family Time Q&A and um I was interviewing my son who was 13 at the time you know what was his what what's something he's most proud of and I was expecting him to say something from that current school year because yeah, he he'd been doing some mm-hmm. some neat things at the time but no he went way back to when he was like 7 years old coach pitch um baseball and they had won the, the championship playoff. And that was his highlight of his life. And it, we had a studio audience and they all chimed in. They said, wow, you know, if you have to go that far back to find something to be proud of, you have not lived your life in the last six <laughs> years there. And exactly. I was looking at my son, he, he looked at his friends, like, how could you, you know, like you just stabbed me in the chest on air. And <laughs> no. it, it was kind of, you know, in the parallel here is like, You know, that was a funny moment because he was only only 13 and we're talking about a memory from when he was seven. Uh, But, you know, if you're looking at your marriage and you've been married for 15 years, 10 years, and the last time that, you know, your spouse felt appreciated by you on a a high level and a memorable level was, you know, at the beginning of the relationship, Mm
1: -hmm. then uh, you got some work to do. Yeah. Absolutely cuz sometimes they measure things or and we do this too. It's like what gift you gave me? That time you gave me a new car or a diamond ring or we took that trip or whatever. It's like okay, those are great, but what have I said yeah. that is that you remember. You know, good and bad What have I said? Well, you know, the other night you walked in and you were mad at your your boss or your coworker or whatever, your car didn't start, you got stuck in traffic and you walked in and you were like, we're having that for dinner. (laughs) Um, And even though it had nothing to do with what you were eating for dinner, you set that in stone. Like you said that sometimes our things are just encapsulated in stone and it didn't have anything to do with her. But you took whatever happened outside the door and brought it inside the door. Mm -hmm. And then you moved on with your life. You may have loved dinner and then realized a couple of years later, she's never made that same thing again. And the reason is because of that comment you made that you thought didn't matter. Oh, yeah. But you're like, that was one of my favorite things to eat ever. And we never had it again because you walked in like a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not making it anymore.
0: And this is reminding me, uh, Liv, if you're listening to this, um, uh, those twice baked <laughs> potatoes that you made for us in Germany. I love them. I would love to have those again. (laughs) I mean, I guess she felt bad about it. So she's put it in her head that she'll never make those again. I'm like,
1: but they were so good. Make them again. They were delicious. Um, Another way to do this, if you're not real good at, at speaking those kind of things, is leave a little note, mm-hmm. you know, buy a little thing of Post-it notes, but you can get a little stack of uh, index cards from Walmart for like a dollar or the dollar store or something. Just write out, you know, you're beautiful or I'm praying for you or you're going to do great and stick it in a suitcase or, you know, their purse or their car when you fill up their car with gas and leave it for them to find or, you know, it's little bitty things like that, that you can speak by just using note cards if you're not real good at that. And and maybe you've been married for 19 years and you're like, "Uh, but you guys, I've dug this hole super deep. I don't need like a little ladder. I need like a really long ladder to get out of this hole. (laughs) These are the kind of things you can plant that you will be able to build on. Because if you're doing this for a long period of time, she will start to see you differently. He will start to see you differently. You can you can build on that and and then you gain credibility that way. You can't just walk go home tonight and say, oh, you're beautiful and then go sit in your chair. You know, this takes time. You got to build up some of this credibility. But note cards and post-it notes are a great way to do that. I yeah. made the comment, I think on the last episode, that you can get a dry erase marker and a most showers you can write on the wall in the shower and just wash it off when she takes a shower that's basically free and an easy way to do that
0: yeah you even talked about steely markers too it was amazing i don't remember that that sounds like fake news (laughs) Uh, that was that other guy that was the other guy that was the the substitute (laughs) host oh man and um so yeah, we've talked about the importance of pouring into our spouses, making those positive deposits. Uh, we talked about the magic ratio of 5 positive interactions for every one uh, or even 3 to 1 in, in most situations as well like at work. 3 to 1 is is enough, but at at home apparently 5 to 1 if you're talking about living life together, you need more positive interactions. Um we also talked about some exercises where we can, you know, get some cold hard truth from our our spouses. How are we doing? Uh, when it comes to these things and the importance of, you know, if it's been a while since your your spouse can recall a positive moment, then it's time to make a change. Just like Michael Jackson said, look <laughs> at the man in the mirror and make that change. Um, or if you want to quote hip hop, Harry, because you probably have kids who grew up t- to hip hop, Harry, words have power, words have power. Think before you had something or other. And I, I forget the rest of the quote. I guess it would have been cool if I pulled that off, but there you go. Um, any final words, though, before we sign off?
1: I would, I would like to quote Eminem, but I can't think of anything he's ever said or saying, but I'm sure he's uh, probably about the only rap guy I know. Uh, uh,
0: never, ever going <laughs> to let go. Oh, <laughs> hey, there you go. I'm never going to let go.
1: Uh, one, one thing I would say, and this is kind of a, uh, you know, make sure that this is something you can do. Don't just jump right into it. But chances are your wife has a couple of close friends, close confidence that, Speak into her life, and hopefully, you do too. Give each other permission to speak to those people and say, Hey, how am I doing? You know, that unbiased opinion. Yeah, uh, I have a really good friend that uh, his wife and my wife are really good friends, and occasionally I'll just text her and I, and I include him on the text so he knows what I'm asking and what I'm looking for. And it's like, Yeah, you know, how am I doing? Yeah, uh, have I have I made any major mistakes? And we've known each other for years, so she knows she has this permission. But also tell her, hey, if you see something or hear something that you know I really blew it on, I want you to call me and say, hey, Brandon, you did A, B, and C, and. Not one of those landed. You did the exact opposite of what you should have done. Or, you know, you put a lot of focus into this and you really should have looked at this. Yeah. And 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 that can be like a little cheat sheet. You know, it's an insider um and and your wife should know you're doing it. She obviously won't reveal anything that your wife told her not to reveal for whatever reason, but it's okay to have that inside the Kind of baseball type uh, information that says, you know, every Thursday you do this and she hates it. She wants it to stop. Or she's always wanted to go on a trip here. Here's something for you to think about, you know. And most of the time, 99% of the time, it's nothing that I either didn't know or didn't have a clue about, but it's just a little extra touch that uh, she can also tell your wife that, hey, He's asking questions. He wants to be better. You know, he wants to be the husband that you want him to be. He doesn't want to just wander through blindly. He He's asking for help here, you yeah. know, and and sometimes we think what's best as if you're a guy over the age of like 10, you've already made some really bad assumptions about life and some bad decisions. So <laughs> don't yeah. just assume you know what you're talking about. You probably don't. So exactly. go yeah. ask some more questions.
0: There you go. And sometimes you can tell how you're doing just by how they react when you walk in the room. You know, I'm talking about the friends and the, the close family members. Because yeah. you come in and everybody's like, oh, hey, you guys are – you're back together. Oh, so cute. And <laughs> it's like, oh, cool. But if you walk yeah. in and people cringe, it's like, uh-oh. I, I, like, I,
1: wow, I, you're still alive? Yeah. I didn't you're think still in the picture? The
0: what? <laughs> 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 or they just get quiet because they don't know how to act. Like, they know they're supposed to be polite around you, but – Deep down, yeah. they hate your guts right now because yeah. your spouse has just spilled her guts to them about how horrible you are. Um, yeah. And I've, I've heard of husbands who will see that in the friends and family – and then they call out their spouse on them, like, "Hey, you you talk trash about me to your friends," and it's like, right. "Well, there's reason for it. You know, you're pouring trash in; it has to go out somewhere, mm-hmm. and the safe place is those friends." So the challenge really isn't for you to go challenge your spouse about that, but really, what can you do to shift those gears so that she is now bragging about you to her friends and to her closest family members? Uh, and that's a hard thing to do. You now that takes courage. You, know, you got to face the music and realize, okay, I'm screwing up. And you've got to have humility. And that takes courage because, you know, you don't have it all together. You're not the strong, tough guy you thought you were. So there you go. And, and the odd thing awesome. is, you know, you are the strong, tough guy if you can have that humility to embrace that kind of feedback. So
1: That's real toughness. Real courage is being vulnerable.
0: Yeah. All right. So if you like everything you heard in this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 235. There you'll find links to past episodes where we've talked about this kind of subject as well as links to some of the books we've mentioned in here. Uh, It's probably going to be like the John Gottman library because it seems like that's the only book I read in this episode, right? (laughs) Uh, So we're so glad you joined us this week and the best way you can pay us back is to pay us forward so share us with a friend a family member a coworker, or that neighbor across the street unless they go of course that's a neighbor who's trying to break up your marriage stay away from that person uh, but other than that until next week go live life beyond the rut take care